So whether it be hoarders, somebody going through difficult time change, as you mentioned, potential loss of a loved one, divorce, or happy changes, right? There's a lot of stress that can come along with those. But when you're looking for, as you've expanded your business, when you're looking for the people that go in and deal with the clients that you entrust your people to deal with, right? You've got to hire a special type of person. You've got to contract a special type of person. I mean, what qualities do you look for in your people? Number one is patience, which I'm not the most patient person in the world, but I think you have to have a level of empathy and the ability to listen to them and truly get them to their goals. And that means that you're not going in and organizing it the way you want it organized. And my people, they can't, they could, they can't put their own, their own needs and wants Mm -hmm. into the client's home, right? It's all about the client and every client has something different that they need from us. And so the organizing process is the same no matter what, but we want to find out what they're looking for. Hello, and welcome to the Generate Your Value podcast. I'm your co-host, Andy McDowell, founder and owner of Generate Your Value, providing life, leadership, and small business coaching services in the Atlanta area. And I'm Zach Levy, your other co-host. I run a nationwide financial service business with my wife, Megan. Together, Zach and I have the intention to bring you tips, concepts, ideas, suggestions, stories, and analogies from A to Z, which will help you to grow your personal brand and small business in such a way that joy, happiness, and success as you define it for yourself are achieved. We hope to use our gifts, talents, and experiences in business to generate value in your life. And with that being said, let's move to our topic for today. Tuesday, and thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Generate Your Value. Andy, as always, it's great to see you. Great to be here. Great to be here on this bright, sunny day in Atlanta, Georgia. Yes. As always. This week, we are joined by our esteemed guest, wonderful guest, the Heather Rogers with Simply Organized. Heather, good morning. Good morning. Great to have you today. Good to be here. So Heather is a local entrepreneur here in the Atlanta area, has a business called Simply Organized, and we'll get into what that business is all about as we go through the conversation. But she has a wonderful story to tell, one I think you would be very engaged and interested in. That's why we're bringing her uh, to the podcast today. So my biggest concern, Heather, is that we could go for two hours (laughs) with this podcast, with the conversation and what all you have to offer the world and so forth. So we'll have to so-called tone it down a little bit so we can fit it in our typical 45 minutes to an hour, but we'll give it our best shot. Yes, I will try to abbreviate. 
So why don't we start off with the beginning? That's always a good place to start in a book, right? So if we're reading the story in the chapter, let's talk about the beginning. If you could give our listening audience sort of an overview, not details, but an overview of your long story career coming out of college would be wonderful. Okay, great. So my first job out of college, I was a private investigator. And we could talk about that for about eight hours, but I will <laughs> cruise, cruise over that. My biggest lesson in being a private investigator was that I worked by myself in a different city every week. And mm. I really wow. like being around people. So my next career was in sales because I realized that that fit me and what I did best a lot better. So I started out selling payroll mm -hmm. services. And then from there, I went into dental sales and then finally medical sales. So dental over, sales. Yes. Were you selling parts and supplies or, or uh, services for a dentist or toothbrushes and to floss okay. for Oral B? Yes. Oh, for Oral B. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's a great job. I loved it. And then with medical supplies, I was selling CPAP machines, and I love that too. And I I realized I was built for sales. I, I love getting to know people. I love helping people. And in the payroll job, I found out how much I really wanted to be an entrepreneur because I kept living vicariously through all of these other business owners that I was helping set up uh. payroll with. And of course, my whole family are entrepreneurs. So that was kind of in my blood. So and going, did, you, did you find sales uh, came easily for you? Yes. You, you were extroverted enough, engaging enough with people that it just yes. flowed naturally for you. Absolutely. I loved yeah. it. It was great. And I loved getting to meet new people and getting to go to different areas. I had a huge sales territory. So mm -hmm. Georgia and Alabama, I drove a thousand miles a week and... And yeah. you enjoyed the travel aspect as well? I did. I did. I find that whether you're extroverted or introverted, I definitely get re-energized by alone time. Mm -hmm. So I'd have all my alone time in the car, and then I could, you know, be around people and and sell and, and teach them about products. You're probably a hybrid like I am. I, I need some recharging time too, but I love engaging with people. Absolutely. At I like the same both. Time. I like both. I've never really fit into one box or another. What I learned with Oral-B was that I was um, very comfortable with public speaking. And I had no idea how many people are scared to death of public speaking. So I was able to really use that after I left Oral-B as a, as a bonus, as a plus. So when I worked for the medical sales company, I could go out and and do big presentations to doctors and and nurses, even though I have no medical background at all and felt very comfortable with that. So speaking, I think, I mean, this is what I learned from it because I, I was uncomfortable at first until I sort of flipped a switch in my brain to say, it's just a conversation. Yeah. You might be doing most of the talking, but if you can try to think of it as a conversation, I mean, I, I worked my way up to presenting and speaking in front of thousands of people at aviation conferences and it's just a conversation. Yeah, I found as long as I was comfortable with whatever I was talking about, and mm -hmm. I had practiced it enough to where it was it was very easy, then I could get in front of any group and, and have a good time and make sure they had a good time. 
Because I think, you know, I always thought of myself as one of the audience members and thought, oh my gosh, this could be so boring. I don't want to put them to sleep. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I wanted to engage with them and make it fun for them so that it wasn't just another, you know, medical, what is, what are the benefits and features of our product? uh, (laughs) I have a funny story to tell about people sleeping. So I was asked to give a presentation at an aviation university and St. Petersburg, Russia. St. Petersburg is very high up there in latitude, right? So it's generally very cold. And this was in the middle of the summer. They had no air conditioning in the building. So you packed thousands of students in this auditorium. It was one of those auditoriums, you know, where the steps go way steep on up. And I had a two-hour presentation on a key technology coming out of GPS that I was trying to teach them about. And I would say about 50, 60% of the way they started dropping like flies because it was getting so warm (laughs) in the room. I mean, literally putting their heads on the table and so forth. And I I knew at that point, okay, I got to wrap this thing, this thing up because I've lost them. Wow. Not because of what I was talking about, but just because of the situation, the the heat in the auditorium. Factors. Well, my claim to fame is that I spoke to a group of narcoleptics. And none of them <laughs> fell asleep. So that's my captivating. That's amazing. Wow. They have a, it's called the Narcolepsy Network. There's an association. They meet every year and have a conference. And I spoke to them and none of them fell asleep. So I felt, oh my gosh, this is fantastic. <laughs> that's my claim to fame. Incredible. And P.S. Anyone who's running conferences out there, yeah. everyone should run their conference like these guys. They have napping times. And napping stations, which I think is brilliant. That is genius. <laughs> brilliant. I love it. <laughs> How much better would every conference and convention be if you knew you could take a 10-minute snooze yep. in between all the boring speakers? <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I think between putting padding underneath the carpet at trade shows, that might be oh, yeah. the next best thing that should, go, that should yeah. come to a conference or a trade oh, show. Oh, my God. That's so funny. Should Only be normal. Only people who have worked at trade shows understand the importance oh of padding. Gosh. Oh my I used gosh. to go to dental dental trade shows, like 14 a year, and we would stand on our feet for 10 hours a day. And by the end of them, I couldn't mm-hmm. walk. I mean, yep. that's rough right there. <laughs> so you've had quite a journey. You've gone through different industries, different types of positions before you landed up in the, um, the entrepreneurial business, owning a business uh, position. What do you think drove you through through all those? Were you were you trying to find a home and a passion for yourself or was it something else? I think when I was going on different interviews to get different sales jobs, there wasn't a real goal or passion there. I just yeah. needed to pay the rent, pay the mortgage, mm-hmm. so to speak. Now that I look back, it all happened as it was supposed to, and at the right time. Towards the end of my medical sales job, I I knew it was time. It was time for me to start my own business, and I just couldn't figure out what I wanted to, to do, what I wanted to be when I grew up. Right, so you knew you wanted to be an entrepreneur, but you didn't know... Exactly. What business what do I What type of business, yeah. Right? I yep. mean, my, my father and brother are running a hydraulic hose and fitting business. Mm-hmm. I knew I did not feel very passionate about that. And my brother was running an outdoor clothing 
and gear business, which was very cool, but I would not be a good ice climbing guide like he was. (laughs) And so I went to a career counselor, which I didn't know anything like that existed. And she really took me out of my over analytical brain Mm -hmm. and made me stop questioning myself and what I wanted to do. And we played all of these games, for lack of a better word. And every answer to every game that we played was professional organizer. Yeah. And She's trying to get you into your heart. Yeah, I didn't even know. Out of your mind and into your heart. I didn't even know what that was. I had seen Oprah's organizer, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Peter Walsh, who I love. And so I just started researching it. And I said, wow, I cannot believe you can make money doing this. This Mm -hmm. is so natural. It's so, I don't even think about it. So yeah, that, that wound up being the perfect fit for me. That was 11 years ago. So... When and what made you decide to make that entrepreneurial jump from corporate sales to? So it's funny because every, just about everything comes back to control for me, for my clients. And I had no control over the pricing of the products I was selling, over the quality of the products I was Mm -hmm. selling. And I felt like I could sell anything to anyone as long as I believed in it. But when all of these outside factors start controlling, and at this time, it was actually Medicare and like government Mm -hmm. um, control over pricing and the medical equipment industry, it, it became so challenging. And even the people I was selling to, they were going to have to go out of business because of this, these rules and restrictions. And I thought, you know, it's going to be hard to own my own business, but at least at the end of the day, 95% of what I'm doing is in my control. So that's what finally made me make that decision was I just want, I want some more control back. Well, I think that's a common story for people to go from even myself coming from 22 plus years in the corporate world and moving into the entrepreneurial role. Um, Even though I was acting entrepreneurially, if you will, within a corporate um, structure environment, it's that, sense that you're having control over something that I can make what decisions I want and not feel like I'm going to get any blowback, so to speak, from somebody else over it, right? Absolutely. Well, and there's still always going to be things outside of your control, like the pandemic. Yeah. (laughs) That's a whole nother episode. (laughs) But at least you can make either good or bad decisions and and learn from them mm-hmm. either way and say, oh, okay, well, that marketing thing didn't work. Let me try something else. Instead of having to ask the CEO of a large corporation who you're probably not going to be able to have a conversation with as a mm-hmm. sales rep, right? right? So yeah, it's nice to kind of be your own, your own boss. So the, the entrepreneurial journey is a learning, learning and growth journey, whether you like it or not. What well, has to be. <laughs> well, nobody's perfect, right? Nobody exactly. can just jump in and do it perfectly straight off. But there are those that don't pay attention to those things, and they end up not being in business anymore. So mm-hmm. what, what were, do you think were your growth items learning about your business as you were starting it and building it? So my number one biggest learning was 
when I figured out that I was going to need to clone myself and did not have the scientific knowledge to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know I was going to have clients. I didn't know how busy I was going to be. But once I started to be busy, you know, people were like, oh, that's the best problem to have. Well, sure. Unless you need to be in two places at the same time, what are you going to do? So a colleague of mine in the We have an association of professional organizers called NAPO, N-A-P-O. And she said, well, you just hire hire somebody to help you. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be an employee. It can be an independent contractor. You don't have to pay them a salary or anything. And I don't know why, but that had just never occurred to me. Even though I had assisted other organizers, I was like, oh, I can hire assistants. Mm -hmm. And so that was like number one biggest aha was hire people. And delegate, 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 which is ironically relinquishing control, right? And a lot of people think, well, I don't have any money to pay anybody to do this stuff for me. But, you know, another huge learning curve for me was, you know, hiring a bookkeeper and hiring people to do the things that, yes, I could do it myself, but I don't have time, nor do I have the energy and as my business has continued to grow, I've continued to hire out more and more things that I'm just not great at or don't have the time to learn how to do 40 hours a week, like social media. Yeah. So I love the fact that it's actually really affordable to hire experts in these industries that can, mm-hmm. you know, do your QuickBooks for you and, and figure out the 5 million social media entities out there that are changing every month they change and so um it's almost a full job to keep up with it really is so i I love the fact that you can get help you don't have to do it all by yourself Mm -hmm. whether it's with your clients in your own business like hiring subcontractors or employees or hiring experts to help you with the running of the business because guess what business owners you're only going to get to do the actual business thing that you love to do about 50% of the time. <laughs> no, I think, I, I think I need to I think you need to be a spokesperson for my business oh, because yeah. I, that's the stuff I tackle with business owners on about working on the business instead of in the business. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Because the other 50% is all the stuff that people don't, they probably don't know how to do unless they've gotten a, you know, college major in business or finance or something like that. I mean, well, there's there's, there's two issues, right? They don't know how to do it, and or uh, they don't want to do it. It's not right. fun for them. It's it's laborious. They don't get anything out of it. Yeah, doesn't strike at the heart per se. And those are the prime targets to outsource or hire people right. to come in and do that for your business, so that you're truly generating the value in the business because you're passionate behind it. You like to do it and uh, you can grow that, grow your role, if you will, in that part of the business. Absolutely. Most of the organizers on my team own their own organizing business, Mm -hmm. but don't like the marketing and the accounting and all of the other things. So they just want to do the organizing part. It's difficult to find a business owner that likes doing all of it. Right. You know, they they have areas that they consider to be the necessary evil that has to be done for legal reasons or whatever it might be. A hundred percent. And one of my workshops helps people to understand what that is within their within their business. So it's kind of interesting with you building your business, growing your business, realizing you need to bring in other people. It's somewhat of a control issue. And then you go and write a book. 
Uh, what was bad I, day? What or was I thinking? What were you thinking? I mean, it's it's bad enough. Go from bad enough that I started a business book. right before a pandemic. You know, people would. What are you thinking? But uh, so somewhere along the line, about five years ago, I realized if I'm ever going to be able to retire or sell this business, mm-hmm. or I I can't physically do the in home organizing forever. Uh, One day, I'm not going to be able to physically do this. So I wanted to write a book, number one, so I could help more people, people who didn't live in Atlanta, people who couldn't afford to hire me, Mm -hmm. people who maybe want some help organizing, but don't want a stranger in their home, which I completely understand. So I wrote the book to help other people. But the second reason was a little bit more selfish. I wanted to be able to sell the book and present to larger groups, which again is also helping more people at the mm-hmm. same time mm-hmm. as, as getting paid to do presentations. So because I love doing presentations, I saw the book as a way to show people that I am an expert in my field. This is something I know how to do. And it, it took a while, not only to write the book, but to, for me to finally understand how I was going to sell the book and how it was going to work for me. But after a few years, I realized that the the best thing I can do is have those uh, public speaking gigs or <laughs> opportunities. They usually buy a copy of my book for everyone in the audience. Mm-hmm. And that's a great way to just kind of, again, help people as much as humanly possible to to learn that there are people like us out there who can help them and, and, or if they want to help themselves, give them some tips and tools. Yeah. So you went to book Avenue, Zach and I went the the podcast route for the exact same reasons about physically speaking. We're here in Atlanta and we can help people in Atlanta area, but how do we, how do we take this generate your value message to other folks that may not be able to help directly, but you can still from a conceptual standpoint, help them out with some things in their life and or in their business. reach a global scale. So Yes. Absolutely. And so with helping people, Heather, with that book, I mean, what exactly does that delve into? What's it about? So every single thing in the book is a real life client that I've worked with. And Love it. they're anonymous. So I didn't use any of their names or anything mm-hmm. that you would know who they are, but it's all real life stories. It's people going through major life changes who needed help. So whether it's, you know, they're getting married and merging two households full of stuff into one household, or whether they're getting a divorce and doing the exact opposite or having a baby, or maybe there's a death in the family or they're moving. Anybody who's going through a major life change like that generally needs help with figuring out what they actually need and want in their space. Mm. So whether they need to declutter or downsize or anything like that, We can really help them. It's hard to do that by yourself, especially if you're grieving the loss of a loved one or dealing with something else. Mm -hmm. You just don't have the time. Right. So yeah, every single story in the book is is a lesson that can be learned from actually working with clients. So what was your experience like writing a book? I mean, it's your first book. So yes. what was how was that experience for you? If somebody's about to start down that route myself, I'm kind of curious as to what your feelings are so, on the journey. I I made a lot of mistakes and we'll 
I'll talk to you about that offline later, and maybe I can help you avoid (laughs) the mistakes I made. But it's another full-time job. And it's not writing the book. That's the hard part. And I thought it was that was going to be the hard part. I thought it was going to be writing the book. The hard part is the sales and the marketing and the figuring out Amazon and... (laughs) You know, the million other things that you have to do to actually get the book into people's hands, Mm -hmm. whether they download it or, you know, want to listen to it on Audible, which we were talking about that earlier in audiobooks. That's a whole, that's a whole nother process. So it's just trying to figure all that out. And I had an editor and I had somebody to help me get the ISBN number and all these other things that, again, if you've never written a book, you have no idea. Somebody to help me find a printer all of that. But yeah, it's just another full-time job. So you really have to carve the time out and figure out how am I going to continue to run my business while I'm also trying to write this book. So that was my biggest challenge, but I'm so glad that I did it. And I'm not even in love, honestly, with, with this book. You know, it's not like, oh my gosh, I'm an amazing writer. <laughs> Everyone should read this book. I just... I love that I was able to get some of the tips and tools out of my head and Mm -hmm. into other people's hands Mm -hmm. so that hopefully I can help them because that's my whole goal in life is just to help other people. Well, I found it interesting that your business is more than just organization, right? You also get into time management. Yes. Yeah, a lot. I find that people who are not organized, it usually goes into lots of different areas of their life. So a lot of both residential clients and business clients need help with figuring out, you know, why are they always running late? Mm -hmm. Uh, How come they can't, you know, pick up their kid on time or, you know, do the 5,000 other things that need to get done during the day. And I, I, I wrote a time management course that I put out online just to try to help people figure out, use those tools that we have like calendars and to-do list and other things that I'm shocked, but most people don't actually use the tools that we have so that we can manage our time. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody's busier than ever and it's physically impossible to do every single thing that needs to be done. And especially busy women who feel the need to, they're, they're stuck between that stay at home mom and working mom. And they're still expected to do it all. Even if they have a full-time job, they're still trying to get dinner on the table every night. And it's very challenging and kids are busier than ever. They have so many activities. So well, I think, correct me if I'm wrong on this, society starts putting, particularly for women, puts an onus on that, right? You know, a lot, a lot oh, of women yeah. I talk to feel like they have to they have to do it perfectly. It's got to be perfect. There's this right? insane and so, amount of guilt. Yeah, there's an insane amount of guilt that you, just like you said, you're balancing A, you're balancing B with C and D right. and everything else. And I've got, you know, right. I'm not going to look good as a, as a woman, as a mother and so forth unless I've got it down perfectly. Right. And what- And it just burns out women. There's a chapter in my book called The Rainbow Unicorn. <laughs> and the whole, oh, sorry. The whole purpose of it is that perfection is a myth. It's unattainable. Mm-hmm. It doesn't exist. And I think that 
we have been watching HGTV mm-hmm. and, you know, Real Simple magazine and yep. all this stuff. And we think, oh, my pantry should look like this person's pantry. Well, guess what? That photo that you're looking at on Pinterest or whatever it is, that's not what their pantry looks like on a day-to-day basis. So give yourself a break. You know, at the end of the day, are your kids alive? Are they breathing? Did Mm -hmm. you get them to school? You know, are they not starving? Okay, you've done a good job. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like every book about parenting says something different. And there's just, there's insane expectations put on everybody. So you feel guilty if you're not spending enough time with your kids. You feel guilty if you're not uh, getting in your deadlines at work, not spending enough time with your husband. <laughs> you you don't have 15 activities for every child every day. I mean, there's just, it's too much. It's too when much. I think society puts this, this stigma out there that you have to have expectations when these expectations are unrealistic. I mean, fun fact, I don't think most people know this about me, but I actually used to do custom closets and pantries and stuff like that. I did not know so, that. So yes, fun fact about Zach. <laughs> And you look at the pictures in the marketing campaigns and the, the like you said, the pantry, they have like one thing on every shelf and people want their pantry to look like that, which is unrealistic. Mm-hmm. It's not lived in. Yep. But I heard it put this way, actually, um, I was talking to somebody last night, instead of having expectations, having just standards, not comparing. And with that, I mean, when you go in with a client, I mean, how do you relay that and kind of help with that? That's actually a big challenge that we have because I'm a very honest person and I usually don't tell people what they want to hear. So what they want to need. Well, I have this ethical thing that makes me not want them to spend $2,000 at the container store to put all of these clear containers in their pantry that they have to pour the cereal into every single day and put a label on them. I can do that all day long. No problem. But you know what? My definition of being organized is you can find what you need when you need it. Mm-hmm. So if we can lower those <laughs> unrealistic expectations for everybody and really talk about each client is unique, what does it mean to you to be organized? How do you want it to look? If you want it to look like the pictures in the magazine, I can do that. But I don't have to spend $2,000 to make your pantry organized, to make your closet organized, to make you feel like you actually want to walk into that room. I don't have to spend a dime. I can use what you already have, right? Because most of organization is time, focus time, and elbow grease. You know? It's, it's not spending the money on the pretty containers and bins Mm -hmm. and everything else. Mm -hmm. But again, I'm happy to do that for anybody who wants me to. So it is, it's, it's kind of challenging sometimes to tell clients, this is how we do it. This is how we look at it. I'm happy to, to spend your money. But if you would like to try to do it my way, I think you're going to be just as happy and it'll be just as organized and you save (laughs) $2,000. So what do you feel? You have a you have a person, a client that comes and they're asking you to help them get organized. What does organization do for a person in their life? I mean, it's it's one thing to say, okay, my kitchen's a mess or my office is a mess. I just need somebody. I don't have the time to do it. Have somebody come in and just create it into a desired state that I want, and then they go away and 
maybe six months later, I'll have to hire them again because they'll build up with the mess again and so forth. But what does it really bring for a person to be organized? So what changes? I'm really glad that you hit on this because it's so much more than the stuff, right? It's it's always about something else. People ask me about hoarders all the time. And I say it has nothing to do with the stuff, nothing. So getting someone organized and helping them, teaching them how to maintain it, it gets rid of the emotional clutter, which to me is way more important than the physical clutter. And a lot of people don't even realize that that feeling you have when you enter your home of dread or maybe you close the door to a certain room in your house, like usually it's the home office. <laughs> yep. That feeling is because physical clutter becomes emotional clutter. And it turns up in all sorts of places that mm-hmm. you would never see because it's it's very subconscious. And so if there's stuff all over your floor or all over your counter and you clean that up, clear that up, find a place for everything, and you're not rushing around your house with that chaotic feeling of, I can't find my keys, my phone, the receipt, my kid's shoe, Mm -hmm. (laughs) whatever that is, all of that is that subconscious emotional stuff that comes from the physical clutter. So yes, getting organized does a heck of a lot more than just make your house look good. It makes your mind and your body feel so much better. And it's very motivating for people. People tell me all the time, oh my gosh, ever since you were here, I find myself wanting to go do more stuff and get more stuff done. Mm -hmm. I'm no longer worried about the kitchen or the home office. I can now go hang out with my friends and family and do other... I, I don't dread opening the garage door anymore. I don't dread having people over. I mean, that's a huge one. Even if your house isn't that cluttered, a lot of people are embarrassed if they have anything. You know, they're throwing they're throwing bags of stuff into into a closet and shutting the door before they have anybody over. That's mm-hmm. a very common thing. So once you tackle that, it's a it's a real it it takes up less space in your mind and your head and less stress and you really feel a lot better. So whether it be hoarders, somebody going through difficult time change, as you mentioned, potential loss of a loved one, divorce, or happy changes, right? There's a lot of stress that can come along with those. But when you're looking for, as you've expanded your business, when you're looking for the people that go in and deal with the clients that you entrust your people to deal with, right? You've got to hire a special type of person. You've got to contract a special type of person. I mean, what qualities do you look for in your people? Number one is patience, which I'm not the most patient person in the world, but I think you have to have a level of empathy and the ability to listen to them and truly get them to their goals and That means that you're not going in and organizing it the way you want it organized. And my people, they can't, they could, they can't put their own, their own needs and wants Mm -hmm. into the client's home, right? It's all about the client and every client has something 
different that they need from us. And so the organizing process is the same no matter what, but we want to find out what they're looking for. What do they want the space to feel like and to look like? What's their most important goal? What's their timeline? What's their deadline? You know, so my team has to have the patience, the good listening skills, and the empathy to really work with the client to make sure we're doing what they want at the end of the day, because it's not going to work if we put our system on them. (laughs) We have to create a system that works for them. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I was just working with somebody recently, and this happens all the time in most couples, in most families, you've got somebody who saves a lot and somebody who likes to purge. Mm Mm-hmm. Shockingly, I'm the purger in my marriage and my husband likes to save stuff and that's okay. So we have to figure out how to work together to make sure he can find what he needs. And I haven't just thrown all of his paperwork (laughs) into a drawer because if I do that, he'll not, he has no idea where it went. So there's a lot of compromise that goes on. And I think that when you're entering somebody's private space, you have to be willing to to be kind of the the referee, if you will, and make sure that everyone in the family, that this is going to work for for everybody. Yeah, I would probably add another quality to it for your people, and that would be non-judgmental. Yes. I think you very much have to have people that can come in and be able to look around and say, it is what it is. There's, there's no point in hashing, how did you get yourself here, or anything of that mm-hmm. nature. It's more of a non-judgmental acceptance of where your clients are and say, it's okay. It's okay. I'm here to help uh, move you to a better spot. It's very true. Very uh, true. Everyone always asks us, am I the worst? <laughs> realize that people are on a journey. Right. They're, they're on a right. journey in life. We're all on a journey. It's a, it's a common theme in Zach and I's episodes from that perspective. And we're here to help you along the journey. Absolutely. No matter where you are. No matter where you are. It doesn't matter where you are. doesn't matter at all. What matters is that you recognize the fact that I need some help in this area Mm -hmm. and you're willing to accept help from a complete stranger to come into, like you said, come into our private space and say, help me. Absolutely. I either don't have the time or I don't have the knowledge or whatever the reason may be, but I need your help. I accept that about the situation and I'm going to come out in a better spot for it. And wouldn't the world be in a better place if everybody could say that? It's so true. It's so true. We, we meet a lot of people who want to tell us how organized and clean they used to be until something mm-hmm. happened. And usually it's, it's a death of a loved one or a big move or a big change, a health crisis, mm-hmm. something like that. And I always say, look, I've seen it all. I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to help you. So you're absolutely right. That's a huge uh, quality. So we know that, and you mentioned it earlier in the episode, that you came from a family of entrepreneurs. Your father and brother were fairly successful in their business here in the Atlanta area. So how did that affect your decision to become an entrepreneur and help you along the journey to sort of have that that model or that uh, separate journey that they went on to help you with yours? Well, it's ironic, but all of them told me not to start my own business. 
Wow. Wow. I think because they knew the type of person I am and they knew it was going to be 24-7 for me, just like it was for them. Mm -hmm. So they're all very driven and very successful, but they also know the, the pitfalls of that, which means, you know, sometimes this becomes your, your baby and Mm -hmm. you have a, a really hard time staying away from it. Especially if you work from home and, Mm -hmm. you know, that becomes like, oh, well, somebody emailed me Sunday night at, you know, 1 a.m. And, you know, I know now that you don't have to answer those people (laughs) right away. But I think that my dad and my brothers all knew that I was going to be that type of a business owner. So they are all thrilled that I did go into business for myself and that I have been successful, but I definitely wanted that. I wanted, I wanted to do something that was mine and something that I could, I could learn from and, and share with other people. And I just, I feel like we were all kind of driven the same way, even though we all have very different personalities, we were all driven towards sales and then subsequently entrepreneurship. So yeah, I think it's just in the blood. So do you feel like you have a sense of satisfaction? Absolutely. Out of the out of the process and the journey you've gone on so far? Absolutely. It's shocking to me to think that it's been 11 years and that I've come so far and and nothing makes me feel better than to talk to a new business owner or a new organizer and try to help them and impart, you know, some of my small amount of wisdom because mm-hmm. I know I still have a lot left to learn. I learn literally every day. And that whole thing about do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. You know what? I do do what I love, but it is hard work. And Mm -hmm. so I want to make sure that people understand that even if you're really passionate about it and you love it, you're still going to have to work really, really hard. So I don't want anyone to think that that's... (laughs) Uh, that saying to me is not very true. You don't even have to be in the entrepreneur world for that to happen. I, mean, I was no. very passionate about aviation and joined Boeing, but you know, 20 plus years in the business can wear on you. It's hard work. You know? It's hard work. It hasn't destroyed my passion for aviation, but it, it can wear on you. No, and you go through different time periods where you think, oh, do you know, you just kind of have to reassess and say, Am I still doing what I need to be doing? Do I need to make some changes or tweaks? And I think for me, the coolest thing about being a professional organizer is there's about a hundred different avenues. I just thought you had to organize closets every day, but I mean, I'm doing time management, public speaking. We've, you know, we started a moving division four years ago and we help people pack and unpack. Mm -hmm. And so there's so many different things you can do in this arena. You don't have to pigeonhole yourself or, or worry about getting bored. Right. So every day is, is fun and unique. And even if I have a bad day, I know tomorrow is going to be totally different. So that's a really nice thing about, about running your own business. And I just got an idea in my mind from, from what you just said for your business. Ever thought about getting into the personal assistant business? Yes. And there actually are quite a few organizers who do that. Yeah. I was just thinking about time management and organization. People that have busy lives because of success or something that have the ability to hire a full-time assistant. Yes. Or even part-time. Fits right in that square, so to speak. Even part-time. I was talking to a business owner last year who was talking about how he didn't even have time to open his mail. 
And I said, well, mm-hmm. you know, you can hire somebody to do that for you. I can find, you know, there, there are people on my team. I would love uh, for them to help him because they can do everything. They can schedule the vet appointment for your dog mm-hmm. and they can take your dog to the vet if you need them to and pick up your dry cleaning. I mean, there's so many different ways you can hire help right now. Yeah, I would think f- single, very successful entrepreneurs would. That'd Definitely be, be, yeah. it would be awesome. Or even married, very successful. I mean, busy, busy, yeah. busy, busy people. Right, and that's right. who we find our number one clients are just very busy people. They just don't have time, nor do they want to. And I get that. Nothing wrong with that. So, And something you said, Heather, just with you know episodes in the past, Andy, you helping other professional organizers as business owners and helping them develop as they're coming up just exemplifies that piece as a business leader, because we've always talked about the the role of a leader is to build other leaders. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what you're doing. So you have to, you know, hit on that, that I absolutely love that. Cause I think so many people in your position would say, well, this is my business. I need to keep my secrets to myself. So I have an edge up and they, they just have that tight stranglehold control but instead, you're exemplifying what we talk about all the time, expanding that value to others, not just keeping it right here. Well, we had that same conversation uh, conversation with Chris Lalamia about right. building his institute. Aren't you enabling your competition? It's like, no, I'm building leaders. Right. I think there's plenty to go around. and An Abundance mindset. Mm-hmm. I've always thought that our organizing association is so unique because at the end of the day, yes, we all are competitors with each other, but we meet to learn not only how to be better business owners, but how how to help our clients more. Mm -hmm. And so I think sharing the experiences and the knowledge and everything else, I mean, gosh, I, I have certainly learned so much from them that it would be horribly selfish for me to yeah keep all the secrets because there really aren't any secrets i mean you just got to do it you just got to go out there and do it you know i paid a business coach once this was like i don't know probably 11 years ago and i say i paid her to push me off the cliff because after meeting with me she's like you have everything you need ready you've got your website and your business cards mm-hmm. and you've been mentored and you've trained and you've read all the books. What are you waiting for? And I said, I don't know. I'm scared. Courage. I'm scared. <laughs> right. Go back to our love versus fear, right? Oh, I need yeah. to get through the fear and into love. I'm so you scared. You needed the courage. I did. And so <laughs> she she just gave me that push that I needed. Yeah. You just got to do it. You got to beat the pavement. You got to meet people. You've got to you know, get clients. And I always tell new organizers, they think they have a business card and a website. So the business is just going to come to them. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. You got to go get it. You got to actually give people the business card. You have to put it in their hand. So well, you said, you just got to do it. Let's move to the next <laughs> subject. <laughs> you got to just do it. And then all of a sudden you have a major health scare. Yeah. Yeah, so nobody thinks it's going to happen to them. So how do you keep a business afloat when you're sitting in an ICU? Yeah, October 31st. Went to the hospital thinking I was having a heart attack. Jeez. (laughs) Instead, it was gallstones and pancreatitis. And I could not do anything physically for about 
four months in and out of the hospital. Mm-hmm. And then my father died. And so I think, you know, call it whatever you want. The universe fate, I call it God. But two years ago, I hired a manager and I took a course on how to leverage my business, which to me meant someday I can go on a vacation mm-hmm. <laughs> and not have to take yep. my cell phone. I needed to figure out how I wasn't the only person who could do all the things. And I knew that it wasn't about me and my skill set. I just had to take everything out of my head and, and put it on paper. So I hired Trisha, who's the most amazing angel on the planet. And together we put together the policies and procedures manual, which is probably one of the most boring things to talk about. And you would think that since I was an organizer, I would have had that from day one, but I didn't. And having that, it's like freedom. I I can't even, I can't explain it in words. Once Mm -hmm. you have everything in your head down on paper, (laughs) you're no longer solely responsible for your business. And because we did that two years ago, October 31st, I went into the ICU and Trisha started running my business. And she ran my business for six months, A to Z, soup to nuts, hired the team, paid the team, worked with the clients. And if if she ever had a question, she had a manual that she could pull out and figure out how to do it. Absolutely. And she just kept telling me over and over again, don't worry about it. I've got this. Your health is the most important thing. Your family's the most important thing. And if I did not have that, I promise you I would not have a business right now. And I probably would have had to stay in the hospital longer because of the stress. Again, something else that people just don't realize consciously is how much stress affects you physically. And I've been talking to a lot of other people with pancreatitis who were in the hospital for months and months. And I was there uh, two weeks. So I think a lot of that had to do with knowing that I had support My team, my business was being taken care of. My husband was taking care of the household. My family was taking care of everything else. And there is, there is, you never know it's coming. And so I just want to somehow be able to impart to all those people out there who say, oh yeah, I've been meaning to put my procedures manual together, or I've been meaning to tell someone else where my checkbook is, or you know, whatever that is, like we had, you know, we had hired a scheduling app, you know, so we could schedule our people. Right. We had put calendars into place. We had put all these things into place to make it easier mm-hmm. to run the business. And so because of that, it was able, it was able to continue and not just continue, but thrive. I mean, maybe it's a good thing for me not to be working every day because I mean, It was very successful. And this is during a pandemic. So you've got that as well. And I've had colleagues in the past who have had, have gone through cancer, single moms and other things. And I just, I don't know how you can keep your business going unless you have something there, the, the cushion, the, the back office, the, the people to take care of your business for you and know know how to be the full representation of you and what you've built. 
Well, I think your your story hits upon what we often hear about the connection between your emotional state and physical state. And if you're sitting in ICU, worried about your business, and that's your emotional state, it's not helping you to heal at all from that perspective. And 100%. so I always encourage my clients. I myself had to go through that process in building a business within Boeing. And, and we needed to do it for certifications to be able to do to be qualified to do work in countries. But it did wonders for our business. It was painful. It was painful going through having to build. I had a person that was dedicated to it, you know, for like six months to get us at least the starting point of a good operational manual, how we do our work. When you get into ISO and other certifications, you have to have the ability where anybody can pull, doesn't know anything about your business, but you can pull that manual off and read through the manual and know how to run your business. Yep. And it's... And again, it's hard work. It's hard, it's hard, hard work. It's hard work. It's not fun. But it's it not pays easy. Off. Oh my gosh, it's the best thing I've ever done. Pays off. Is to be able to again relinquish that control, which is not easy for me. I mean, and trust someone else mm-hmm. to take care of your baby, which for me in this case is my business. At the very least, it saves the phone calls while you're trying to have a business lunch. Right. <laughs> right. At right. the very least, <laughs> let alone being in the ICU. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and someone, and this is just, again, such an interesting timing thing. Before I went to the hospital, a couple months before I met a client who happens to be a minister, and she had told me, you know what, Heather, you need to take a Sabbath. And I said, what does that mean? What are you talking about? Like going to church? And she said, no, you're supposed to rest for 24 hours once a week. That's what God intended. And that's what that means. And she said, for me, maybe it would look like putting your cell phone in a drawer for a day. Maybe it's from Saturday to Sunday, Mm -hmm. Saturday at 6 p.m. to Sunday at 6 p.m., whatever timing works best for you. And I had just started doing that when I went to the hospital. But I got to tell you, again, what a freedom. My job is not emergency related. Nobody calls me to, you know, 911. There is no there's no house on fire that I can help with, right? So I needed to say, okay, it's okay for me to let things go to voicemail and go to email for 24 hours and truly give the mind and the body the rest that it requires mm-hmm. in order to be productive. And I rationally, I've heard that my whole life, that people who take vacation are actually, they even work better and, you know, are more motivated and stronger. But I think when you own your own business and you're a solopreneur, you just think it can't happen without me. I have to be there all the time, 24 seven. And it's just not the truth. And so if the pandemic couldn't teach me to slow down because it didn't, (laughs) The trip to the ICU made me. And that is the thing that I think is so, it it just rearranges your priorities completely. I'm no longer stressed out about all those things I have no control over, about all the people I don't have control over. Mm-hmm. I'm letting a lot more go than I used to. And those are the biggest, the biggest lessons that I learned along with Thank goodness I had all those policies and procedures in place. And I had an awesome person and people because my team has been with me for years and they're just phenomenal. So 
I feel very blessed at the end of the day. That is an overused word right now, but it's true. I'm full, full of gratitude. It's the best attitude to have. Yeah. Always. So always. And to your point, Heather, I mean, developing that system, the policies and procedures, your manager, et cetera. I mean, if you're not building other leaders as a business owner, you are just a, you're not an entrepreneur. You're still a solopreneur. If you can't relinquish that control in the business yep. without you. Yep. So, I mean, it was in perfect timing that you did all that and kind of had a wake up call. And I think if you can, this message can get out so others can hear that before they have to have a wake up call that impacts so many people. And I love mm -hmm. that. So, well, that's and, why the three of us are sitting around this table, right? Exactly. How can we generate value in other people's lives? Right. So on that note, as we, as we wrap up, I mean, we always like to ask everybody the same question as we wrap up. The name of the podcast is Generate Your Value, but Heather, what do those specific words, what does generate your value mean specifically to you? What does that look like? And there is no right or wrong answer. Oh, good. <laughs> Terrible test taker. No, it's all um, about the individual. So we're, we're very curious as to what those words mean to you. To me, I have found a way to run a business that helps people. I have always loved helping people. And I've been doing it forever, not knowing I was doing it. And when I look back, I can now say that at the end of the day, that's all I want to do. I just want to know that I've left my clients happier and, and helped them because they don't, they didn't know how to do that, or they didn't know the person, the resources that I was able to bring to the table because they don't move every day <laughs> and they don't, they don't have a major life crisis every day. Thank goodness. And so I want everybody to know that no matter what you're going through, there is somebody out there who can help you. Yeah. So the, the piece I love about your business and Zach and I talked about this in the first episode about the word value, mm -hmm. there's different types of value. There's physical value, there's emotional value, there's spiritual value, there's monetary value. You know, there's all kinds of different types of value in this world. And at the forefront of your business, sort of the cover, the cover of a book, the cover of your business is about physical value. You're coming in and helping people get organized whether it be an office or a kitchen or the whole house or the garage or whatever it might be, it's physical value helping to get organized. But the reality is you're providing so much emotional value to the client and that may not always realize that till after they're done to the process of what your business brings to the table. But I just love, love that connection, that aspect of it. it's something on the surface but the reality is we're going to peel some layers back on you or your family and their life and we're going to do some healing or we're going to do something that's of emotional value mm -hmm. and so you're you're sort of taking two or three of the type of values in the world and lumping it in even though your clients may not realize you're doing it till they're till you're done right well and it's hard to put a price on that it's people don't, when they, when they give us a review or something at the end of the day, they say things like, you saved my life. 
You mm-hmm. saved my marriage. These are big things. I don't feel like I have the power to save anyone's life or save their marriage. But the fact that they feel that way after we leave, I mean, what is that worth? It's priceless. Yes. So I love to be able to to bring those things that they didn't even know were going to happen at the end of the day to to have less stress. Mm-hmm. To have less overwhelm, right? right. I mean, it, it's hard to put a price on that. So, and it's going to hopefully continue even after we leave. Well, I think it's the same for all three of us sitting around the table, mm-hmm. right? Zach does it on the financial side. I do it from a life and business piece for for business owners. You have your individual piece, but we're all three of us trying to generate value in people's lives. Absolutely. Through what we do mm-hmm. and our expertise and our skills and talents. And that's that's what this movement, I like to call it a generate your value movement is all about, is getting people to see that in nature, in their life, and in business is once you've done it for yourself, you then have and learned through that process, that learning of self-leadership, you're then able to then turn the table around and start doing that for others through a business or through a relationship or whatever it might be. What a gift. It is a gift. It's a gift. Amen. It takes hard work. It takes a lot of self-work, but it's such a gift when you have it. You realize what you can do with it in the world. Well, and it's, it comes back to us mm-hmm. as a gift. That's right. Right? So we're giving of our time or expertise or knowledge, but what we're getting back in return just fills you up. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it makes you want to do it again and again. So Zach and I greatly appreciate you coming in today, having this Very conversation so. with us. Very enlightening. Not only did I learn a lot about you, but I learned a little something about Zach. <laughs> yeah, Zach. <laughs> Closet building and whatnot. If you're not busy, uh, we might need to hire you. <laughs> you can have a side gig. You have to talk to Megan about that one. Just what he needs. I might need a professional organizer because I'm busy to do that. So, yeah, but. We'll figure it out. Well, we're very uh, happy that you joined in with us today. We hope you got some nuggets out of this conversation. Learn something about Heather and her business. And if you're in the Atlanta area and need some physical or emotional value through getting organized, she's the the person to to get in charge of it. How's the best way to potential customer could find you. So our website is simply organized you, Y-O-U.com. My phone number is 404-825-2105. Very good. Thank Maybe you, highly, guys. I highly recommend uh, you contacting her if you have that kind of need. And we're going to encourage people to do what, Zach? Generate your own value. And well, there's that and... Press the follow button. Also, it's spelled a different way. Yeah, it's spelled subscribe, but we call it the follow button. Follow us on our journey. Exactly. And if you listen to the episode or any of our episodes and feel that it would reach one specific person, give it a share. Help us exponentially generate value. Right. Let's multiply it. Exactly. Make it a factor of 2x or 3x or 8x. I like compounding. Compounding. There you go. (laughs) There you go. So we hope you have a great day, a great week, and I hope that you'll tune in next Tuesday 
for the next episode of the Generate Your Value podcast. So until then, we'll see you soon and take care. Have a great week. Thank you so much for joining us today on this episode of the Generate Your Value podcast. If you find our conversations to be useful in your life, I invite you to subscribe to our podcast so that you don't miss an episode. You can find me online on Instagram at The Fitzpreneur, Facebook, and LinkedIn. For information on my coaching services, if you're in the Atlanta area, go to www.generateyourvalue.com. You can also find me and my company on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Simply search for Generate Your Value on those platforms. Once again, thanks for joining us for today's podcast, and we invite you to generate your value in this world. Thank you.